Alright, so we'll start with Sukha Gzula. We're not doing them in any particular order, but uh, so Sukha Gzula, we know um, the Pasuk says, Tasel Cha, you should make for yourself a Sukkah. So for yourself, it means that you should own the Sukkah. And it, it, now it, the Chachamim understand that it doesn't mean you have to own it as opposed to a Sukkah Shaula, opposed to a borrowed Sukkah. Rather, it means it cannot be a Sukkah Gzula, it cannot be a stolen Sukkah. Yeah? How's it different than any other mitzvah? Shouldn't I not steal tefillin and wear tefillin? Or your point is I shouldn't have stolen, but I'm still guilty wearing tefillin? It's a good question. So the, the thing is, the, the, the Rishonim ask, why not, why is it not just simply possible because of Mitzvah Boba Avera? That's what you're asking, right? Yeah. Good question. So, in different, uh, slightly different words, the Meiri says that, uh, that the difference is that unlike a stone lulav, where we, we don't need such a uh, limut from a Pasuk, it's, a, it's just, it's, it's possible because of Mitzvah Boba Avera, is because you're literally using the lulav itself as the mitzvah. Whereas, for example, let's say someone stole a shofar and blew a shofar, that would not be called the mitzvah of Avera. Why? Because the mitzvah is not being fulfilled with the shofar. The mitzvah is to hear the voice of the shofar, to hear the blowing of it. The mitzvah is the voice of the shofar, not the shofar itself. It's true, you can't produce the voice of the shofar without the shofar. But the mitzvah is not to have a shofar or to hold the shofar. Right? The mitzvah is, for example, if most of us didn't blow a shofar, we don't even own the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, right? Somebody else blew a shofar, we just have to hear the blowing of the shofar. Yeah? Uh, unlike um, an item which you are using for the mitzvah itself, such as tefillin or, or a lulav or whatever. So too, says the Miri with the sukkah, you're not doing the mitzvah with the sukkah. You're not taking a sukkah. Oh, oh, if you pull, pull it. Pull the door your way. There you are. Good moed. Leave it, leave it open. Leave it open. So, okay, welcome. Uh, yeah, so, so with the sukkah, you're not doing the mitzvah with the sukkah itself. The, the mitzvah is to be in the airspace that the sukkah creates. Similar to the sound of a shofar. To be inside of the sukkah. So that's why mitzvah of would not invalidate uh, a sukkah. So, but what does invalidate a sukkah is a, uh, for it to be a, a gazel because of the Pasuk in the Torah that tells us Tasa which is a uh, telling you that a sukkah zula is possible. So, the concept of why did the Torah go out of its way to invalidate a sukkah zula by writing Tasa Lacha, sukkah Tasa Lacha, it has to it has to be not stolen. So the Shemish says. Three Mahalchim, one from his father, the Avni Nazar. The Avni Nazar says, I'll pee a Midrash. The Midrash says, Koman, the Ihu, Mishorsha, the Gaza, Kadisha, the Israel, Yashu Basukus, 
Everyone, and it may be coming from the Pasuk of Kol Ezrach, uh, all the residents of the Jewish people may dwell in Sukkot. So the, so the Midrash says that that means everyone who is uh, from the Jewish people, which means like from the um, spiritual root going all the way back to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, we know that, that there, uh, there is a concept of an heir of Rav, an uh, intermixture of non-authentic uh, people into the Jewish people, but, uh, but but whoever is genuinely, truly um, from the Jewish people, and and the, the the midrash there says that that means that those people are the ones that yearn for closeness to Hashem. Those people can all come and sit in a sukkah in, under the shade of of faith, Vamunda. So Rabbi Nazar explains this midrash that it means. Very common, very common thread in, in, in Hasidus is to take something that seems to apply on a more national level and like applies these people like this, but these people like that, and to say the truth is everything exists on a macrocosm also exists on a microcosm, which means inside of every yid you also have subsections. You have parts of the person which are from the true essence of who a person is and parts which are foreign entities, foreign bodies that have crept in to a person you know, due to the exile or just due to the Yetzirah, etc. So just like the, the Jewish people have certain foreign bodies stuck into us, which has been more than 2,000 years of purifying and extracting that stuff, right? so too each one of us has that as well. And therefore, says Avinazer, that the power of the sukkah is to allow into the sukkah only the good and not to allow the bad to come in. It's very similar to a concept of a mikvah. A mikvah is a place where only um, purity can exist. Inside the mikvah, there's no such a concept as tumor. For whatever reason, I'm going to go into now why that is. We spoke about it back by, by uh, approaching Yom Kippur, actually, because Yom Kippur is compared to a mikvah. So a mikvah is, once you go into the mikvah, then even if a person has tumah upon him before he goes into the mikvah, but he goes into the mikvah and the tumah cannot follow. So it, it's kind of like forced, it's like you, know, you go through a filter, and like all the junk stays on top, and all the good wine goes through, right? That is what happens with the mikvah, and that's also what happens with the sukkah. You go into a sukkah, and all the junk stays outside. And only the good part of the person can come in. Because why? Think about it. Sukkah is tzila de nusa. You're in the shade of a muna. Every time you look up, you're thinking about, I am under the auspices, I'm under the jurisdiction, I'm under the supervision of Kodesh Boruch. Therefore, whatever foreign thoughts or foreign behaviors or whatever are left out. That's why all of our actions inside of a sukkah become mitzvahs, as we spoke about before, right? That you're, you're in a place where you're definitionally serving Hashem. It's a place where it's a mitzvah. Everything's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to dwell in a sukkah. Therefore, 
you're, everything you're doing definitionally is serving Hashem. That means whatever non-service of Hashem, so to speak, cannot come in. It says that, it says the, according to this, says the, um, that's why a sukkah cannot be stolen. Because if a sukkah is stolen, then the sukkah itself allows for the entrance of the negative parts of a person into the sukkah. I mean, it's, it's antithetical to the entire cause of the sukkah is. A sukkah is something that keeps those things out. So it itself cannot be the product of a negative action. How dissimilar is that to without getting into like a big cosmetic inside how Hashem is not there's no part of Hashem that's endorsed but Hashem did create or had his name attached to endurance. Right, that you know, obviously, we have spoken about in the past, and that Hashem says uh, that uh, obviously uh, Hashem is the creator of everything, including including through a very complex process, uh, even Ra, right? But however, we understand that that's not going to be a process of purification and removal, that's going to be a process of of creating the possibility for bad. But the sukkah represents like a mikvah, which means a process of removal of the bad. Right, I guess it's also associating with basking in Hashem. So that's a place where there is no negativity. Mm -hmm. No negativity can follow in that. Mm -hmm. So being that this is a um, power of removing the bad, that's why it, it, it can't be stolen. That's one approach. Second. Um, uh, he says that uh, that that uh, the sukkah itself in 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 a, in the midrash is compared to uh, is compared to Hashem. So, if the if uh, just like uh, just like the Sultan looks for excuses and claims why the divine presence shouldn't dwell with us. If there was anything wrong in the in the Mishkan, in the construction of the Mishkan, so too uh, the with, with the sukkah. Um, so too, uh, being that if you want the Shekhinah to dwell in the Sukkah, again, it's kind of approaching the same point from a different angle. The Sukkah is a place where the Shekhinah should dwell. The Shekhinah is not going to come and dwell in a place that was a byproduct of Gezel, pretty straightforward. Um, and additionally,
the sukkah is the result of what we built on Yom Kippur. We spoke about this concept with the, with the schach, right? That uh, the schach, maybe we'll have to talk about it more, but uh, it represents the purity that we discovered on Yom Kippur. When you're reconnecting to who I really am, when I re- reconnect to who I really am, to my source in Hashem, then uh, I can discover my connection upstairs. That's what, that, that's what the sukkah represents. Again, so there's some language of schach, some language of the thing that is above me, that hovers above me, that, that covers me, that's, that's, uh, that's uh, and that represents a person's shorsh on the shaman, the source of their soul, right? Which, uh, very, very high thing that we very rarely have any connection to. By Yom Kippur, we establish that connection, and now it can provide us a guidance, a oversight, etc. Now that means connecting to who you really are. If it's stolen, means you're trying to connect to somebody else's source. You're trying to you're trying to find somebody else's. Uh, that that's uh, that's not that's not gonna work, right? You have to. Do, uh, the, the point is that in Yom Kippur we discovered, discovered who I am and the sukkah is, is that it's that source of who I am that's the thing that's gonna, that's gonna protect me that's the thing that's gonna help me stay connected you, but you can't be connected to somebody else's root um, next Sukkah that uh, has to be at least 10 Tfalchim tall. We've spoken about this concept, Shemesh Mul says it, uh, that 10 Tfalchim from the ground is still called Rishus Harabim. The Rishus Harabim, the public thoroughfare. Uh, you mean within 10 Tfalchim? Yeah, up, less, up less to, less. yeah, below 10 Tfalchim, everything mm-hmm. below 10 Tfalchim is still the Rishus Harabim. Rishus Harabim, Rabim is Rabbi means everyone goes and does whatever they want. Means I, you know, I live my own life for myself, whatever I want, whatever is going to maximize my happiness and my pleasure and whatever else. Right? Laissez-faire. Uh, pursuit of, what is, it, what is America built on? The pursuit of Life, liberty, in the pursuit of property. Right? Life, liberty, in the pursuit of property. That's no. That's what Locke wrote. Life, liberty, in the pursuit of property. Because they didn't want to sound too, too materialistic, so they changed property to happiness. But by by by, by, by happiness, they mean property. Life, liberty, in the pursuit of property. Yeah. Um, so, that is that's what that's what, uh, that's called the Rishusarabim. Everyone does his own thing. Not you have certain basic rules of the road, but everyone can go where they want. You can't you can't drive to a red light, but but we don't control where you go. You can go wherever you want. That's a Rishusarabim. Yeah? Rishusarabim cannot limit people's movement. If, it, if if there's something that limits people's movement, it's not called Rishusarabim. Now there could be rules of the road, but it does that doesn't negate Rishusarabim. Red light, stop. Green light, go. Yellow light means slow down because might be somebody else going, right? Or speed up if you want to make it through the light, right? Whatever it is. So there could be rules of the road, but you can go wherever you want. That's Rushus Rabim. Rushus Hayachid means there's one who's in charge of everything. 
that's Kodesh Baruch that's Rosh Hashanah Yechidu Shalom the one of the whole world there's the Balabais the one in charge of the house right inside the house everything is under his jurisdiction everything is under his control so the rules are in Erevin as well as in Gemara Shabbos that Rosh Hashanah goes up to and not including Tzad Falchim Rosh Hashanah Ola Adler Rekia goes up to the heavens. So, if a sukkah were to be less than ten tefachim tall, you'd be asking for the shechina to come down. The shechina is the the, the schach is the place of the shechina. That's the tzilu de mehem nusa. That's the shade of faith. That's where we. That's where the divine presence rests. That's why Yosef. Where do we learn out? The minimum size of a sukkah, the minimum height of a sukkah. That's right, from the kaporis, and from on top of the kaporis is where Hashem used to speak. Hashem would speak from on top of the kaporis. The shechina rests on top of the kaporis, and the kaporis is ten tefachim above the ground, right? So that is above the rishus harabim. Now I may uh, bring it into ourselves. Each person is imbued with ten kochos hanefesh, ten aspects to ourselves. Um, we can talk, get technical, right? Uh, from Kesser down to Malchus, whatever those things means. But the point is, there's all sorts of parts to myself, from my deepest shorshanashama down to my most physical expression of you know, bring things out into actualization in this world. And the sukkah has to be able to contain all of that. The sukkah has to be big enough. It has to have ten fists. It has to have ten basic components, ten spaces to fit the entire person. A person who either is not in tune with his shorsh and shama, the highest thing possible, or a person who's not expressing his Yiddishkeit out into practical, physical world of action and creation, both those people are not really uh, expressing the full person, full person needs at least Tant Fachim. That's why the Gemara says that if anything less than Tant Fachim, it's called a jirasucha. It's 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 a it's a it's a uh, a person gets claustrophobic. Anything less than tantfachim. What was the term you just used? Sucha from a language of uh, disgusting or unpleasant. Dira. Dira, d- a dwelling, which is. You know, did, you, did you do that gemara, Josh? No. What you guys didn't do that gemara? Third pair. No. First paragraph. Uh-oh. <laughs> what? Gotta take on the... Uh, uh, Come on, guys. Davdalad. It's a good, awesome daf. No? You, you're Potter. You're Potter. You're Potter. Yeah. What? <laughs> they started on Dalad over basic. <laughs> Okay, fine. Okay. 
the Gemara says that we learn from the Pasuk of, of Kol Ezrach that Molamed Shekol Yisrael Ruim Leishei Besukah Achas. It teaches you that the entire Jewish people can dwell under one sukkah technically. Yes? Daf Chavzayin Amud Beis? Okay. So, so the uh, the Shemeshmul says that this that this uh, this is an allusion to what we say in the Tfilos of Rosh Hashanah. V'yasu kula maguda achas. We're all going to become all the people, all of Klausel can be united under the sukkah. The sukkah is an umbrella. It's something that can encompass the entirety of Klausel. If it could be big enough, technically, there's no problem. That's why sukkah Shaula is. That's how we learn the sukkah Shaula is permissible. The Tosos there say because it's not possible. If you have the entirety of the Jewish people, certainly there wouldn't be. Uh, a shutfus happening, there, there wouldn't be a, a Sheva Pruta for every person to own. Rather, must be there's a Sukkah Sha'ula. You should raise your hand up. Okay. Um, so that's uh, the Sukkah can bring together everything underneath itself. And that's, by the way, why it's such a beautiful thing that to take a Lulav underneath the Sukkah, because the whole point of the Lulav is that it's an Aguda, it's a bundle, right? Now we do a technical bundling by tying the three species together, but don't forget there's a fourth species, the esrig, which is not tied together. And the one of the main jobs of taking the arbor minimum is to bring together the three species with the esrig, to unite all four species, representing the the fourth part that's always disconnected. Like what? What's the fourth part? Any examples you guys know of? The last letter of Hashem's name, exactly, right? That can be broken off from Hashem's name. The fourth direction of the world, the Tzofon, right? The world is represented by letter Hey, right? And the the Tzofon, the northern side, is open, it's Paruk, Parus, right? That, that's, that's the part that's disconnected that uh, allows for uh, the Sahara, etc. So the point is that the unification of the four, the, the, to unite all of them is super important. That's why there's an extra uh, belovedness to take the um, <coughs> Arba Minim inside the Sukkah. Okay, now moving on to, um, we're going to do a little bit of uh, Lulav now. Lulav Ayavesh is? Lulav Apostle. Good. So the Rosh says, uh, what, is the, what is the level of Apostle? Kishihilbin Panov. Kemes. When his face turns white, like a, like a like a dead person, he brings a Yerushalmi. What's the reason for this? Aloha because the uh, because the dead cannot praise Hashem. In other words, that the the 
Lulav is a manifestation of praising Hashem. And praising Hashem is from a connection to Hashem. And so it has to be expressing the vibrance and the life that we have being connected to Hashem. Now, by the way, the uh, beautiful thing to think about, the Hilchus Lulav Laravid, the Ravid says that this uh, principle is true that after 12 months is considered dead because nothing can live without a connection to the source for long, no matter how well you preserve it no matter how you you you, you freeze it you you dry pack it whatever it is you yeah after 12 months it's considered dead something disconnected from a source for 12 months has lost all life just shows you the power of the Jewish calendar that after 12 months you cannot what well, we experience Rosh Hashanah, we experience Yom Kippur, we experience Sukkot, that gives a 12-month charge and no more. You cannot praise Hashem with last year's Lulav. Uh, Rabbi Huda says you can, but we, we don't pass like Rabbi Huda. <laughs> so, uh, so the, the, it has to be rejuvenated and uh, created anew every time. I think that the Chachamim answered that that's Shas Shmad, the difference. Shmad is just a Zechel Adover. They were they were doing it. Did I say 12 months? I can't remember. Did I say a year? An extra year, an extra month of life. Yeah, so it's Uber. Uber means uh, what? That there's like a lady who's pregnant. There's more. There's, she's, got, right, she's got life, and then there's a little bit more life inside of her. So usually it's 12 months, sometimes it's 13 months. Okay. That is a good question. Okay, so we have a machlekes uh, that Rabbi Yehuda says that uh, a lulav can be yavish, but he agrees that esrog cannot be. Why? Because an esrog it's poshut that it has to be hader. The whole machlekes is by lulav whether it has to be hader. Why is it so poshut by an esrog? Why is it that the way the Torah was written that we learn hider from esrog? Then the question is if you make a hekish from esrog to the arba minim or not? What? So it says. <coughs> why, why does it say that? Why is it? Again, let me repeat the question. Why is it that the Torah says Hadar by Nesrik? And then there's a question whether you extend it to the other minimum or not uh, without teaching it by the other minimum. Maybe we should say that about the Lulav and afterwards use a Hekish to, to learn it out to the Esrik. What is it about the Esrik? What? <laughs> no, 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 no. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> talking about the posse. 
the Pasuk says, pre-Eitz Hadar. Pre-Eitz Hadar. The question is, if the Hadar extends to the Kapas Tamarim and to the Minim or not? Right? It certainly says it about the Yesterday. The question is why it says it about the other ones. What is the distinction? Why is it that the Yesterday stands out unique, that it, that it has beauty, whereas the other Minim, it's a question whether you need it or not. So the so Neisaskar says, because the fundamental concept, Ein Isha El Yofi. A, a woman is inextricably connected to beauty. A woman is a vehicle of creating beauty. Why? A woman represents the concept of Malchus. Malchus means the expression in the world, the creation of something down here in the world of the final product. Now the final product has to work with all the pieces that went into it, right? The, the, the point of the final product is to correctly represent all the different parts that come out just right, right? If, uh, you, know, you could have had, uh, let's say, I don't know, designing a car, right? You could have engineers, these guys spent, you know, 50 hours on the engine, and these guys spent 200 hours figuring out some really nuanced problem with the with the wheel axle or whatever it is, right? But ultimately, however, each one did its own thing, whatever, but in the end, it has to come out just balanced. If you have a wheel axle that's 100 times bigger than the, than the engine, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna work, right? You have to find, you have to put it together in just a perfectly symmetrical, correct way, that's called beauty. Okay, beauty is the synthesis and the, and the <coughs> balance between all the parts. That is um, why you could have a very theoretically uh, desirable um, man who is just not attractive, but it's okay because he's very smart, he's funny, he's very energetic, he's full of life, everything is great, right? Whereas with a woman, every man has to find that his wife is, is beautiful. Now, he's nice as the holder some some people might disagree with that Hassan's decision but the Hassan thinks that she's beautiful that's why Basil say you can say uh, to to a Hassan right the, the, at a Hassan you say how beautiful is the bride and the say what are you talking about you can't, you can't say that every Hassan some bride isn't not much to brag about no, if he's marrying her, it means he thinks she's beautiful. That's the that's the omic, that's the depth of what Bissell is saying. They're not just saying, you know, uh, uh, empty words over here. They're saying that the chasm clearly must think that she's beautiful because that's the that's what a kala does. That's what a, that's what a kala is called. She takes all those pieces that the chasm brought in, puts them together in a in the finished product. That's what a kala does. <coughs> so that's why by the esrig, which is the embodiment of Malchus, why is the esrig the embodiment of Malchus? It's the pre, it's the fruit, meaning good. You have these leaves and those leaves and this, and it's going through all the different stages and we can discuss what it means. The hadasa means the 
really high up and the Rava's lower down and the Lulav brings her all the way down, right? But at the end of the day, there has to be a food to eat, right? It, with all the nice things and the smell, and the, right? How uh, beautiful. At, at the end of the day, there's no food to eat and you're starving. So there has to be the finished product. That's the Esrug. Okay, that's why Esrug, the word Esrug means desirable. That's what the word means. The Ramban and the Chumash says Esrug means desirable. So, so uh, it's the desirable fruit. That's why uh, on, at the end of Sukkot, uh, right? They they would they would pull out their love them to mess around with, play with, and they would grab the esrogim and take a bite out of them, right? Because the esrogim is so desirable to eat. That's that's why uniquely the esrogim is the food that has to be beautiful. Okay. Um, there's a Gemara that says, Did you guys get there yet? Misha? Should you do Lamad Beis Amud Aleph? What? Lamad Beis Amud Aleph, 32a. The Gemara asks, How do we know that the Kapos Tmarim, the branches of the date palm that are mentioned, are the Luluf? Perhaps. They are the um, semi-hardened date palm branches. Do you remember the answer? Abai says, Darchecha darche noam v'chol nesivosah shalom. Because the Torah, its ways are, all of its ways are ways of pleasantness. And its and its paths are paths of peace. And being that, what? That was in the Gemara. That's the Gemara that I have. Maybe you. Have a <laughs> 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 the Bavli. The Bavli. We did the Oh, because Roberts told me you guys did it. They start. They started at Lama Gimel. They started Lama Gimel. So, so, uh, so, okay, so, so the Gibor says that these hardened branches are ready along the, along the shaft, there are, there are spikes sticking out and uh, a person could get hurt. In fact, yeah, right, uh, hold on. no, I, I, I know, but I thought we, hold on. I know, I know, Lamed, we, I think we ended right here. Somewhere here, right there. We, I think, I think, I think this is where we ended, but we never did Hazara on it. We did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Public, well, publicly I, embarrassing I your Kavusa. I did. Okay. Anyway, so, so the so I'll tell you guys personal story. Maisa Shehaya. Okay. So in Yerushalayim, your Kodesh, you are not limited to these, um, these reed. Um, uh, mats, but rather they bring truckfuls of date palm branches, the grown, opened up branches, like a long one with these leaves sticking off the sides. Kind of like yeah. a fan looking thing? Not like or a not fan, more like a, like, 
Like imagine like a feather. Yeah. But like way bigger. Okay. Um, and so my wife preferred that over these mats. It's pretty. It's green. It's much nicer. So, and they're long, so you can literally just put them across the entire sukkah if you have a small sukkah, like we did. So that's what we did. So I went. My foot, obviously, in the car. Uh, bought these things. Uh, basically, there's like 10 shekel per piece. Uh, and I'm dragging back home these like 10 foot long date um, leaves from with branches. I'm holding them by the stalk, which is covered in like pretty thick spikes. But it's okay, I put my fingers in between them. I'm walking and I stepped on the leaf of the thing that I was carrying. You know, like how sometimes you step on your own shoelaces? You don't want to do that, right? But if you step on your shoelaces, you know what happens? You fall, right? So I stepped on it. And so as I keep walking, I'm stepping on it. So I so pulled through my hand and tore up my entire hand. Okay? So says the Gemara, this cannot be the Lulav. Because Okay? That's what the Gemara says. Now, uh, shortly thereafter, the Gemara is going to be discussing with the, with the Hadassim what the Hadassim are and is going to propose that perhaps the Hadassim are a certain type of a poisonous plant. And ab- the same Abayi says the same, says the same Pasuk. The ways of the Torah are pleasant. There's... Uh, Paths or paths of peace, so it wouldn't be one of these uh, things. So the Tosos there ask, I'm sorry, and Rava says no, it's uh, it's because of a different pasuk. Um, he says, The truth and the Rav brings a pasuk over there. So it says, so why didn't you say that over here by the lulav? So the Bnei Zaskar says because the lulav by the lulav, uh, it's it's appropriate to say shalom because shalom the lulav is what brings everything together uh, into shalom. But the hadasim, which have three leaves, that's corresponds to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. The more appropriate one Rava felt was Emes, because Emes has to do with with the Hadassim of the three. The you know, Yaakov is the third one. He's the Chitan uh, Emes for Yaakov, give truth Yaakov. Yaakov is the Bechin of Emes. That's the three leaves of the Hadas. It's Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So that's why Rava felt Dafka over there, that the better positive they were presented is uh, Emes Vashalom, Whereas by the Lulav, he agreed that the better Pasuk is We have like, we didn't even get half of what we wanted to talk about. Okay. Um, wow.